Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you for the words of that song. Reminding us that there's just none like you. None who can compare your majesty, your glory, your greatness, your compassion, your wisdom, direction. Lord, it's my prayer that the acknowledgement of those qualities that you possess and so much more, Lord, that they they would lead us to to those final words that, that, that would fill us with your love for those around us. Lord, so many who who need you, who are wandering, who are hurting. Lord, those who've never heard of your great love, of their great need, Lord, to be rescued from the sin that permeates our lives and this world in which we live. Lord, as as the church, you've given us this incredible mission to be your hands, your feet, your voice among the people. Lord, I'm praying that you'll, you'll fan the flame of that mission in Christ Community Church. Lord, as a church, but Lord, in us as individuals, to just see opportunities with those we work with, those that we love, those that we encounter in our daily lives, or those sometimes that that we encounter as we take intentional steps towards ministry and mission in the work that we're doing through grace works, through life groups, through Send North, the work that's being done there. Lord, that we would just become or be a people as a church and as individuals whose whose eyes are open to the need around us for the presence of Christ, the salvation through Jesus Christ that you offer. Lord, that we wouldn't make people projects, but we would just love them as you love them and look for holy opportunities to speak. Holy opportunities to live out our faith in front of others. Lord, asking you in the the power of the Holy Spirit then to draw people to you. Use us as messengers, as witnesses to those around us. Lord, you tell us in the word that you, you planned good works for us from even before the foundation of the world. Lord, I know it can be so easy to get wrapped up in our works sometimes and miss the good works that you've set before us. 
So Lord, I pray that we'll, we'll look for them. And often, often those good works that you've planned for us, they involve those people around us who need to hear about Jesus, who need to see about Jesus. Lord, we can never thank you enough that you are all of those incredible things, powerful, wise, loving, compassionate, holy, righteous. Thank you for being an incredible father to us. Know that in this space, in this time, in this moment, we express our love to you, our gratitude. And I lay all of these things before you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, would you be seated? It's great to see you guys here today. Um, crowd's a little thin, but it's the middle of July. Have you noticed? What an incredible summer. I don't know what to say. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I'm glad you're here. Have a, a brief word for you this morning. I'm actually going to backtrack. As we said, we might here and there. Jason covered chapter 3 of Jonah last week. We've been in the book of Jonah, just working through it from uh, front, uh, you know, top to bottom. Overlapped a little bit here and there. Uh, this week will be first week where I actually go backwards and cover the same ground, same text, some of the same text, but maybe with a different emphasis. Some underlying themes will remain the same. But uh, I want you to go there with me if you have a Bible uh, on your phone, in your hand, whatever you've got. Jonah chapter 3, we're going to go right back to verse 1. And uh, Jason touched on something last week that I had touched on very briefly the week before. And it's this, as we see this in the story of Jonah, where God has told him something very specific to do. He's not just ignored that, but actively rebelled against that. And then eventually he finds himself back to where God had told him to go. And we both sort of raised that question, wouldn't it be better to just get it right the first time? And that, that's still a theme that I want you to think about, is uh, Jesus says it in these terms. He says, my sheep hear me and they know my voice. Uh, for those of us who are followers of Christ, I don't think that's an instantaneous thing that happens, that we understand God's voice to us all the time. At least that's not been my experience. And as I talk with other believers that I, that I think are mature believers and are, have, have had occasions to, to actually sp specifically be able to say, you know, God told me in this area to do this, and so I did, and I recognized his voice. For me, I, I've seen it as a, it's a learned skill to be able to discern when God is speaking to us, when God is leading us. Uh, 
There's a, a message that we do once in a while here, probably will come up sometime in the next year, where we talk about how to hear the voice of God. Uh, and, and one of the principles that really under, underlines in that is, uh, if you can point back to occasions where you are sure because you, you sensed the, the prompting of, of the Lord, he moved in you, he touched your heart, you heard an audible voice, whatever it is, but you, you believe that God spoke to you, and then you took action based on what God told you, and then you saw the fruit of that in a supernatural way. You saw God work in a way that you could not have orchestrated. Uh, in the Old Testament, they used to, when God would, would, would show up, they would build monuments and leave them there. They were called Ebenezers. It's in one of those old songs that we Here I raise mine Ebenezer. And people are like, what is that? Well, it's like a, it's a stone monument that you put down saying, God did a great work here. Boom. Well, you can do the same thing in your life when you can identify places where you've seen God at work and you acknowledged that and you participated with God in that. Internally, you can put a marker down there and go, hey, I remember that. But one of the principles that we look at is if you identify some of those moments, in all likelihood, the next time God speaks to you about something, the next time God moves in you about something, it will be with the same voice he did the time before because he wants you to get to know his voice when he is speaking to you. And the practical way to say that is if God didn't show up to you in a, in a burning bush that wasn't consumed by the fire with an audible voice from the heavens, the last time he spoke to you, he probably isn't going to do that the next time that he speaks to you because that would be confusing. Because then you'd go, well, that's not the way he spoke to me last time. Is this God or is this just the voices in my head going on, right? So, the encouragement I want to give you today is to look back in your own life. It might be very small things, because I think this is another thing that, that bears out in conversation with those who have been followers of Christ for a long time. When we're first learning to discern God's voice, often He's speaking to us in the small things before He begins to speak to us about the great things, maybe, that He wants to do. Um, because if we have not yet learned to discern his voice and he speaks to us about the great thing, we may miss it completely because we don't know that he's speaking with us. Um, and which is why I think sometimes when we look at some of those stories, particularly in the Old Testament, or with uh, Paul, Saul on the road to Damascus and this conversion experience he has where you know, his voice shakes the heavens and speaks to him, um, God used those those kind of crazy ways to do that because he did not want them to miss the moment. And they were not yet experts at hearing the voice of God. For most of us, it probably works the other way around where he speaks in the small things and then his voice gets louder or more clear to us. It probably doesn't get louder. It just gets more clear to us as we mature and as we hear him. And so the encouragement I want to give you today is to go back, look at some things in your life, try and identify where God has been at work, and then examine your life today, or as you're thinking about your future and you're trying to discern some things that God's trying to lead you in, how has he spoken to you before, 
And how is he speaking to you in these circumstances now that you can identify that it's his voice? And the other example that I used to, to uh, demonstrate that, it's not as much fun as it used to be because now we have uh, cell phones and caller ID, you know. Uh, Mike calls me, his name pops up, you know. And I, I don't, in the old days, kids, um, phones rang and you didn't have any idea who was on the other end. It was, it was crazy. I mean, it was like, oh, who's calling me? It was, there was a little sense of excitement about it because uh, this phone that was attached to the wall with a cable that couldn't go anywhere with you, you, you had to go to the phone. Like, I don't know. We were never a multi-phone household growing up. Remember, Connie? We had one phone. Uh, in the house that we lived in on West 23rd, we had one phone. It was right there by the, uh, the fireplace. And if you were having conversations with people, um, it was right there by the living room. Everyone heard your conversations. Um, uh, there wasn't a lot of privacy there, you know, if you were telling jokes with your friends. Or, you know, Dad heard me get crushed by a girlfriend one day. Uh, he's sitting right there in his recliner while I'm weeping over my little broken 14-year-old heart. Um, you know, that's how life was. And the phone would ring, and you'd pick it up, and you'd say, Hello? because you didn't know who was on the other end. But what it did also provide was, as you got to where you were familiar with your friends, you'd say, hello, and they'd go, hey. And you go, Mike, it's great to hear you, because I recognized his voice. I didn't know he was calling. There was nothing else to tell me. It's just, as soon as I heard his voice, oh, I know who that is, because... We'd spent time together, and I was familiar with his voice. And I think that's kind of what Jesus is talking about there when he says, my sheep know me, they hear me, and they know my voice. But it's not something we instantly get as soon as we decide to be a follower of Christ. It takes a little bit of practice. It takes time to build that relationship. And so I don't want you to be discouraged if you look at this and you say, man, I don't know if I'm hearing the voice of God. There's, there's two things with that. One, are you actually following? Are you near him? Or are you just living your own life and expecting him to sort of be at your convenience? You know, your, your, your cosmic butler. That's not the relationship he's looking for. He's looking for something intimate and persistent, a friendship with you. So that's the first question to ask is, are you actually following? Are you near him? Uh, but secondly, is it, is it just that you need more practice? You need more time? Don't be discouraged in that. Because uh, I, used to, I used to stress over this. I used to fret over this in my own life because I could identify times. And, it, and this still happens, um, hopefully to a lesser degree, but it still does happen sometimes, but I would be able to identify a set of circumstances, and in that circumstances, I sensed the leading of the Lord, and I didn't follow through, and then later, I went, oh, oh, I missed that, and then I tried to remember, okay, what was happening? Why did I think that God might be talking to me, and, and what did I miss, and how can I not miss that again? But here, just uh, in the last week, a very good friend of mine who's here today, I'm not going to point him out because I don't want him to be uh, embarrassed or whatever, um, although I don't know if he can be embarrassed. <laughs> I, 
I had, there were a couple of days where I said, you know, I really need to, I should, I need to message so-and-so. And then I didn't. A couple of days later, I get a message that basically says, I'm having a tough time. Some things are really bugging me. And I wrote back and I said, I have to apologize because I was supposed to reach out to you. And God was talking to me and I just missed it. I just didn't follow through. I try not to do that anymore because I want to become more familiar with his voice. Here in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask uh, another uh, friend of ours here today, uh, John Lane, to come and share a little bit of story because it ties directly to today's uh, context. So having said all of those things, hopefully you're not bored yet. Um, the phone story was good though, right? It was good? Yeah, okay. All right. Um, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. So, remember, God told Jonah to go to this place, Nineveh. He had a message he wanted to give to the people. Uh, Jonah ran in the other direction. In fact, it said specifically that he was trying to go as far away from the presence of the Lord as he could find. He could not outrun the presence of God. Uh, These sets of circumstances happen. It's a terrible storm out on the ocean. These guys throw him overboard, blah, to try and save the ship. He sinks down into the ocean. A great fish comes and swallows him. The Bible says he stayed in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And while he was in the belly of the fish, he prayed to God. Um, he didn't, well, these were our notes for that prayer. Uh, he, didn't, uh, he didn't beg God for anything. He didn't blame God for anything when he prayed. And he did not betray God uh, by turning on his faith. Um, he stayed faithful. And in that prayer then, God honored that. Um, the fish comes up near the shore somewhere, and out comes Jonah. There he is. He's on the beach. And then it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying. I'm just going to stop right there. That's verse 1. I find great hope in this verse. Because sometimes I think we have the idea... And I, I don't really know where it comes from, that, that God's like trying to trick us or that it's all a big test and that if we get it wrong, that he's, you know, hey, uh, you know, Angela, I want you to go do this. And we go, no. And then God's going, <laughs> I can't wait to zap you now. No. Uh, in fact, we see it over and over again in Scripture where uh, people are called by God to do something, to go somewhere, to speak something, and they wrestle with it. They wrestle it out. They, they don't follow through. And then when they become obedient, God brings them back around and says, okay, you remember that thing? Uh, this still matters to me. And I think that's important because that gives me hope that even when I miss the prompting to send a message or to make a phone call or to speak to someone uh, in, the, in the store or whatever, that God recognizes I'm not going to be perfect. And he doesn't punish me for that. What he does is he tries to bring those things around again because he's always working for our good. He wants us to succeed in his kingdom. And he's not trying to set us up to fail. Um, You know, if we think of it in terms of, of, of parenting, you know, our father, um, or those relationships that some of us who maybe don't have our own children have with our friends and the children that they have or, uh, you know, nephews and nieces and cousins and things like that, 
you know, if we're doing it right, and we all know there's a lot of people not doing it right when it comes to parenting, whatever their role is, but if we're doing it right, we're doing that same thing all the time, aren't we? I mean, we're not setting traps for our kids because we delight in seeing them fail. When they don't get it right, our primary motivation should be modeled after God's, which is to bring them back around to what's right and to help them go in the right direction and to provide wisdom and to provide counsel, to provide opportunity. Um, Those should be our same motivation. So we can see it in an earthly sense, and we mess that up sometimes. Um, If you are looking at your life right now and saying, man, I mess that up a lot, guess what? You could make a different decision. That's completely within your power. If you're being a lousy parent, stop it. Uh, Make different choices. You could be a better parent today just by making different choices. But we see that in here. Jonah does all of these things that that in in a human sense we'd go, ooh, that bad dude, I'd never be like Jonah. Well, yes, you would. But when we make that step back towards God, his default position is, is not punishment, it's correction. It's, okay, well, let's get this right. So, Jonah, let me say this again. And he does, he literally says the same thing again. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So, the first thing is, the second time, repentance, that's what, jo- that's what Jonah did in the belly of the whale, is he repented. He basically said, look, I'm sorry I messed this up. I, I, see, I see what I did now. Now, it took a very extreme measure for him to get to that place to say he was sorry. Um, practical advice, don't wait that long. Try to get it worked out sooner, because then maybe you won't end up in your own metaphorical belly of a fish. But if you do, see the example of Jonah. Repentance opens the way for God to restate his plans for you. Because you see, God has those plans for you that I prayed about a minute ago. Good works that he's set up for you before the foundations of the world. He has plans for you. And there are some occasions where If we get so far off the track of what God's will is for us, there are things that he has laid out for us and planned for us that we may miss completely. We can't come back to them. But there's an ultimate will that God has for you. There's an ultimate design that God has for you. And and it's not as if, because we would all be be out of luck if this were true. If If one mistake or even one major mistake completely wiped out God's plan for you, then all of us are just, you know, buzzing around in futility. But this ultimate plan that God has for you, these ultimate works that he has for you, even when we've gone off the path, his intention is always to bring us back there. We might pick up where we left off, or we might be down the road a bit, and he says, okay, well, that's water under the bridge. Those are, you know, things that we can't go back and recapture. But here we are today. Let's move forward from here and be obedient with me. And then I have great promise and great purpose for you from here on out. And sometimes we might repeat that process a few times, right? So repentance opens the way for God to restate his plans for you. It opens the opportunity for you to re-engage with his plans for you. Rebellion 
stops your journey with God. It just cuts it off right there. You don't, you don't progress. You don't mature. You don't grow until you come back. You're growing in other things, but you're not growing in the things of the Lord. Uh, verse 2, uh, arise, go to Nineveh, that great, mess, that great city, and call out against it in the message that I tell you. The message that we have, the mission that we have, these plans that God has for us, they're not ours. The place where we're called to serve in our lives, in our work, in our family, in our community, the place that we're called to serve, that message that we're meant to bring is not our message, it's his message. And this is another place where we kind of get it wrong. We, uh, we want to talk about the things we want to talk about and the things that we think and sometimes, folks, let's just be honest, those don't line up with a biblical worldview, or they don't line up with what God would say is righteous, or they don't line up with how God would say we should treat our neighbors. And yet, we get wrapped up in what we think and what we want, and we're delivering our message, whether it's about uh, a message that we think is about God, or we present as if it's about God, or if it's a message about worldviews or current social events, or whatever those things are, anything that you can think of. It should all be subject to the message that God wants us to share. Because if Jonah had gone to Nineveh and told them what he thought, none of the rest of it would have happened the way that it happened. But he went to tell them what God said. And it made an incredible difference. So repentance opens the way for God to restate his plans for you. Our message to the place we're called to serve is not our message, it's his message. He tells what we should say and do. And then if we uh, buzz on down there, so Jonah arose, he went to Nineveh, this is verse 3, according to the word of the Lord, right? So now he's acting in the way that God has told him, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. That's a big place. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out. So he's about a third of the way into the city, calling out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, I don't know if that's the only thing he said, or if this is just sort of a, you know, summarized, Reader's Digest condensed version of Jonah's message to the people of Nineveh, or if this is literally the only thing he ever said. I don't know. But whatever it was he said, because it was the message God intended for him to say, it made a difference. It made a difference. Because in verse 5, it says, and the people of Nineveh believed God. Why, why should we repent and allow God to restate his purpose for our life? Why should we be seeking to be in his will, in his plan? Why should we be mindful and pursuing that the things that we're saying, the message that we're delivering are, are his words, his message for the people in the world around us? Because when we do that, people respond and believe in God. And in this case, it was their salvation. They were not destroyed. What an, what an awesome opportunity, but yet sort of frightening responsibility. 
This is one of the things I think that, that, that we collectively fail at uh, in the church. And, not, and I'm not saying just Christ, I just mean in the church. I, I know I fail individually in this, is, is understanding the gravity, the importance of the mission that God has given me as a believer in the world. The same mission that he's given to you to be his ambassadors, to be his witnesses, to be his presence among the people. You're not responsible for the results. Now see, Jonah could have gone and given this message, been completely faithful to God, and the people of Nineveh could have gone, whatever. That's on them. But what if Jonah didn't go? See, it's a certain outcome in some ways when we disobey God. But when we are obedient to him and we engage in the work that he's called us to, supernatural things can happen. So, repentance opens the way for God to restate his plans for you. Our message to the place where we are called to serve is not ours, it's his message. And when we speak, God's message, instead of our own, the people can hear the voice of God in what we say and do. Now, this is something you just have to apply personally. We're living in such a crazy time the advent of social media and email and, uh, you know, mainstream media, sort of stream media, fake stream media, deep fake videos now that, that you or I, even with a trained eye, uh, you know, the boys and I have done a lot of video editing. I've looked at some of these deep fake videos. There's no way visually I could tell that they're fake. And yet people are saying things. They've never, they've never actually spoken. These words have never come out of their mouths. It's a dangerous time to live in as far as trusting information that we're receiving and this is where I want to go with this, the information that we're communicating. And I just want, to, I just want you to ask this question of yourself. I'm going to ask it of myself. When you think through the course of your week, however it is that you communicate with your, with your face, with your actions, with your social media, with your email shares, with your conversations around you know, the coffee table or whatever. What percentage of the message that you're sharing is about the gospel and the kingdom and the work of God in the world today? And what percentage of it is about a bunch of other junk that might be important, but honestly, guys, really isn't? And how much of what you share or consume or pass on really hinders or hurts or harms your potential to share the message of the good news of Jesus Christ? I might be stepping on toes. What is it preachers used to say? Uh, I might be stepping on toes, but I aim to. Well, I'm... 
you can step on mine too if you want. Because I want to be mindful of that. I want to be mindful of that. If you don't want to be mindful of it, that's your business. I'm just suggesting maybe you should. So that's our three points. John, would you come? Go ahead and come and join me. Um, Repentance opens the way for God to restate his plans for you. Our message to the place we are called to serve is not ours, it's his message. And when we speak God's message instead of our own, people can hear the voice of God. And I know that there have been many times that because you encountered God in the way that you did, that you've had the opportunity here in Alaska to share some gospel messages with people. I've heard this story before, but I always love it, and I want you to hear it. Well, I don't.